welcome to the official Brandon Ritchie Substack podcast episode. Today's date is December the 20th, closing in on Christmas 2022. And if you're tuning in to this uh, podcast and Substack blog, this blog is designed to be a map for helping you to be a zenith during chaotic times. And we're living in chaotic times and what is the point of that? What is a zenith? A zenith means that I want you to be at your peak. I want you to be in tip top. And that just comes with knowledge and experience. And I want to introduce you to that knowledge by having both my experience shared on this podcast as well as the guest that I have. And I have guests from all over. And uh, if you guys would, if you're tuning in for the first time, please make sure that you go to brandonritchie.substack.com. Subscribe to the podcast, to the blog there. You can also access the articles. You can connect with me on Facebook and Getter. I'm also back experimenting a little bit with Twitter now. Um, So you can also connect with me on Twitter Um, as well as uh, making sure that you tune in on Stitcher, Apple Podcast, and Spotify. If you're listening on Spotify, please take a moment uh, to follow me there. And if you support the show and want to demonstrate your support, feel free to give it a five-star rating. So that's how we can work around and work through the algorithm to get to the top of to get to the top of the charts. But uh, with that being said, I have a very interesting guest on today, uh, a very well-spoken, very well-experienced uh, young woman by the name of Kelly Russell. And Kelly is a psychological kinesiologist. Did I get that correct, Kelly? Is that is that That's correct? That's correct. And so, Kelly, I'm just going to have you say hello to the audience and just kind of give them a little bit about your background and what it is that you do. Yeah. At the age of 12, I looked around myself and I saw a lot of grownups that didn't seem happy with their partners. They hated the work that they did. And I thought to myself, why would you create a life that you didn't like? Why would you create a life that you hated? And I decided at that moment, I wanted to help people enjoy their lives, you know, step into creatorship of their life and take personal responsibility. So I went into psychology. That's what I got my BA in. I got my master's in marriage and family therapy. And then about seven years ago, I stepped into the subconscious and I learned techniques to help people get into their subconscious programming, um, turn down the trauma and the anxiety and the stress, and then dial up the good stuff, like implanting positive subconscious beliefs that support everything that they want and need in life. So I help people create a life that they enjoy. Oh, I'll tell you, that is uh, significant, especially with today's environment. You see a lot of this this negativity and, um, you know, pretty much always hear people reference the news cycle. And it's always, I don't listen to the news anymore because it's so negative. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, you know, a lot of things are negative, but um, it's also not so much what I've always been taught. It's not so much what happens to us, but really how we react to what happens to us. Um Sounds like you're 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 mastering that very thing with your students, right? Yeah, hundred percent. And it's the, the attitude in which you move through a challenge, because we're going to face challenges. So, how do you wish to weather the storms of life, and what attributes are you going to call into yourself as we face those challenges? Yeah, and I, I tell you, it's that's very well put. And I'll tell you, I noticed one of your videos online since we were connected, and you were 
bringing up this and all and in terms of facing challenges, you were addressing the whole uh, attribute, the concept of of apathy. And I've been talking about apathy a lot on my page and addressing that. And to me, I feel that apathy is a very dangerous attribute. And in, 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 in fact, I feel like aside from full-blown indoctrination, apathy is probably just as dangerous because if someone's not willing to face reality and they don't have a care to face problems and face the storm that's out there, it allows for bad actors. It creates this ecosystem for bad actors to come in and kind of take root and they know that they can't be held accountable uh, for anything because there's no pushback because you have an apathetic population is that do you kind of see that as something that's creeping into our society that apathetic attitude that apathy I don't think it's creeping in I think it's always been there you know but um, the the threat is real the danger is real you know, hundreds of years ago, if you were set outside of your tribe, if you were ostracized, um, you risked dying because you're out there in the elements alone, or you were often put to death if you opposed whatever government was in charge. And we do carry that stuff in our DNA. So it's a very real threat that is present in our bodies um, that they would choose to just go along with the power that be um, so that they don't risk ostracization I can't say that word today and and death you know so there is a a risk but I think the risk is worth it and at least in our day and age thank God we're not stoned to death or or hung as they are in some cultures right now Um, so we can have some presence to be able to speak our mind and to encourage freedom and that's one of my biggest values in life is freedom. Yeah. And I, I tell you, I, I've just always been very, I always find myself these days kind of going back to Orwell's 1984 and the whole oh, yeah. label of being accused of being a thought criminal. I never would have thought ever. I would have bet the farm when I was a kid and read that, that that would have never happened. A thought crime. How can they charge you with a thought crime? Right. But this right. is this is the environment that's sort of being set in our society. Is it's dangerous to think for yourself, you know? Um, and yeah. I th- I think that that fear that you're talking about is is definitely very real. Fear, I always say, is used as a control mechanism by bad actors. Right. And uh, that that's that's something. So on that, what do you think? You know, I I put a post up earlier this week about free thinkers. And free thinkers, to me, they seem to be more willing to to uh, resist that apathetic nature, uh, the apathy. They resist that and seem to want to uh, get to the bottom of the truth, and, and they want to they want to want to dig deeper. What What do you think? Um, what kind of solutions with your students do you like? What kind of kind of things do you teach your students? How do you approach it with trying to get them to face reality? How do you do that yeah. with your uh, with your with your people? Number one is acceptance because we we resist so much uh, what we don't want. so and when we have a lot of resistance to what we don't want, it ca- it creates excess energy and we're pushing and creating energy against the thing that's unwanted. So mm-hmm. number one is accept that it is happening. 
that has to happen first. And then after there's an acceptance that it is happening, then there's choice. So I help people step into and that's done by brainstorming. So when I think about like offering solutions to a problem, if there's a change that I want to see in the world, I think of all the ways that I could create a shift. So I could donate money to an organization that's doing what I want to support. I could volunteer my time. I could write to our representatives so that they know what the popular opinion is. So the more people do that, that kind of push against something, if they keep getting a lot of letters or a lot of phone calls, they're like, oh, hey, this is an issue. And if I want to get reelected, I might need to change my stance on this. Um, we can post on social media to spread the word with what we consider the truth. We can be the change so that when we ripple out like a stone in a pond, everybody that we encounter, you know, we are being that thing that we want to be, that we want to stand for. And we have to be willing to risk loss. And in this count, this cancel culture, like, you know, that's real. Because what if you want to spread the truth on social media and then you say the wrong word and then you're they will shut you down. So then you don't have a voice anymore. Absolutely. You know, so I help people step into that choice. It's like, which one, instead of just complaining about it or doing nothing out of all those choices and that possibilities are limitless. So you just figure them out, you know, write them all down and then decide which one are you still with do? What do you have the capacity for and do it? Right, right. And that's uh, kind of along the lines of the, uh, you're pulling on a little bit of what I call my Teddy Roosevelt. And you see, you know, you complain about a problem without offering solution is whining, you know. And I think a lot of people just want to, maybe they whine, maybe they're not even complaining because they're just too ignorant to what's going on. But some people that do, they need to understand that they have to act. They have to use their agency, as you just pointed out. Uh, you just read off a litany of things that people can do daily uh, to affect change, right? Right. So that agency is a big thing. You know, the, you've, you're familiar, we were talking a little bit off audio about the Stanley Milgram, the Milgram experiment. And uh, for those in the audience who are not familiar, the Milgram experiment was a very interesting thing. It involved a uh, authority figure that would give an order uh, to a participant in the experiment. And the participant was blinded by a, an obstruction where there was a learner on the other side of this obstruction. And the authority figure would give, have the participant to ask questions to the learner. And they were like word association uh, questions. And there was a switchboard that had different charges. And you would flip a switch and it would emit an electrical charge to the learner should they get the question wrong. And the premise was the participant was told that the learner would learn better when there was pain exposed uh, if they got the question wrong. And the participant didn't question this. So they would uh, do the word test. Uh, the learner would get the answer wrong, and he would flip a switch, and it would send electrical charge shocking and putting in pain the learner. Now, now the uh, participant did not know that there, this was all an act. It was all a show, but they thought it was real. But right. the shocking finding was is that the, the participant would administer shocks all the way up to very dangerous levels, what, were, what they were told were dangerous levels, 
And the and the learner, which was re- in real in reality was an actor, but the participant didn't know so. The learner would eventually just go silent as if they passed out. And the participant, being hesitant, they would still administer the shock. Like, and this was like sixty-five percent of the participants of this study. This is astounding. So, to me, this this points to um, you know these people have lack the ability, the courage to stand up to an authority figure. In this case, it was just some guy in a white lab coat. There was no credential. uh, It was just a perceived authority. So that kind of goes with what you're talking about here. Why do you think so many people lack that? You, we talked about it being in the DNA, but you would think with information mm-hmm. and the society as it's developed over years, do you feel like that that, that percentage is worse now or better? Do you feel like... <laughs> That's a great question. That's a scary question. <laughs> wow. I, I would hope that it would be better. I, I like to think that consciousness is shifting towards the positive, towards what is life-affirming. Um, but yeah, going through COVID was really scary to see unquestioning. And, and you know what I saw in a lot of my groups is the people that are using reasoning and critical thinking. So I don't think it was, you know, not knowing, but they were, they would risk their losing their job. So they'd say, well, Mm -hmm. I have to step in line. I have to do what's asked of me or else I don't have my livelihood, my security, my, my money, my job. Um, our friend Jerry Kuykendall stepped into that and he said, I'll risk losing my 20 year career by standing up for what I believe is right. Mm-hmm. But imagine what that takes. And what if you had a family with children, you know? So yeah, they would risk losing their livelihood, their career, their money by standing up for what maybe they knew to be true. So security and safety is the baseline value. We can't move beyond that in consciousness until those basic needs are met. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, they were triggered at that baseline level for survival. So I understand why many people did that, but the bravery and courage that it would take to step through that is, is necessary and important Mm -hmm. and uh, inspiring. When I see you and others, doing that and being willing to speak out courageously. I applaud that so deeply at a core level because it's not easy and it's very risky and it's, it's beautiful to me. It's <laughs> awe inspiring. Well, I appreciate it. I, I, I just, uh, for me, I, I, you know, my business was impacted and I, during the whole thing and I, I saw colleagues of ours, some in New York and they lost everything and had to leave the state. Uh, I've seen people, you know, lose a lot, and um, and it it really I I just had this this overwhelming desire, I, and I truthfully too I I don't talk about this enough probably, but uh, I I internally I'm a fighter. I just can't mm-hmm. let it go. If somebody, it's like a chip on the shoulder. If they knock it off, it's like I just can't. I've got to correct that situation, you know, and and that's that's always been something internally. And I'm just speaking for myself. And I just knew that it wasn't right. And as we've become known, obviously, it's not right. And there was a lot of wrong done to a lot of people. And yeah, and people are awakening to that. But but to your point, the only way to correct it 
is to act on it. You have to. This is a, I view this as an all hands on deck scenario, you know. Um, But I think you're, what you're pointing to is very powerful. And you're right. People that have taken risk at great risk to lose their, their jobs, their careers, uh, what have you. And a lot of people have been hemmed up with that military people and right. You know, a lot of people, right. So, right. Professional athletes. There are a few that have stood out and said no, but those are very seldom. They are. Especially when we were stepping into the unknown, we hadn't seen the result of what, what the outcome would be. So for so many to step up and, and say, yes, I'll, I'll do, I'll do what you're asking me, even though I don't know the risks that I was surprised to not see more questioning, um, more hesitation and just mm-hmm. stepping in line. But yeah, it requires that warrior spirit that, that you have. Yeah. And I think you're and that same goes for you as well. I, I, you know, what you're doing is very powerful because, uh, I think with, you know, when you start drilling down on problems with people people have individual problems and individual issues but i think you could i think it's safe to say you would see also a lot of overlap of a lot of similarities too right with people in terms of Um, the problems similarities oh in terms of the problems yeah when you get to the root issue it usually comes to lack of self-worth or self-love and it's just demonstrated in different ways sometimes we try to prove how valuable we are by becoming supremely successful like Mm. now are you proud of me mom or dad look what i've achieved look what i've accomplished you know or um, I have value only when I do these certain tasks that are helpful to others. So I become a people pleaser. Um, when we start drilling down the issue underneath all the BS, usually what's under there is just a desire to feel worthy and to love yourself and to be loved by others. It's the common thing. You know? Yeah, that's a very good point. And that's um, that it is. I think uh, a lot of people, they want to they want the approval of the outside. Right. And um, I think people look outward for that approval. And and that's normal human nature. We all want to be liked, loved, whatever. Um, but I, I think there's something inside that people need to seek to have that inner strength to ground them too, right? Would you say that too? Is is that hundred percent? It's an internal job, and it's your connection to understanding that um, you are already born hundred percent worthy, lovable, amazing, complete, whole. And somewhere along the way, we forget that, and then we try to fill this gap with things that never work because people try and try and try, and they end up, you know climbing great mountains of success only to get to the top to realize they still feel empty Mm. because it's something that they have to find inside of themselves, their own connection to whatever their highest power is, whether it's their highest self or God universe source, um, their sense of internal worth that has nothing to do with achievements. It's just the I am. And until they can do that personally it's just an unfillable bucket that, you know, so definitely it takes some, some soul searching. And I think this really ties into our conversation because if you're searching for that externally, 
you want to step in with whatever the majority is doing so that you are accepted. And then you'll just do what's asked because you don't want to be left out, right? So you don't want to be looked down upon. You don't want to be other than. So you'll just do what everybody else is doing. But it's a, a very dangerous slope, as, as we've seen repeated in, in uh, atrocities committed in the world. But we have to figure out what's the most important value. And for those who value freedom, you know, we've got to figure out how we can maintain that. And my, my biggest philosophical question that I've had over the last year or two is, can we have freedom without exerting power over others? Hmm. What do that's, you think about that? <laughs> that's, that's a great question. I think, I think the, that's a wonderful question. I think that um, when you evaluate that, I think power well, here's the thing is power is restricted uh, based on what's supposed to be the rules of society. And I look at the rules of society being, well, the most obvious, the Constitution, right? So those are the rules. If those are the rules we're going to abide by, then we should abide by those rules. And I think the problem is this whole term, I've talked about this quite a bit often is precedence. We've set precedence to get away and ignore the Constitution gradually over time, right? And a flood, you know, a flood starts with a single drop of rain. So these things trickle over time. There's drops over time. But after enough time, you create a flood of problems. And I think we've gotten to the point where we've created enough precedence to get away from those constitutional values that we're now experiencing that critical mass of the flood trying to break the dam. And the dam's, the dam's holding, but it's leaking all over, and it's teetering, you know. And I think, uh, mm-hmm. I think there are many of us, you know, above that valley with cement trucks ready to dump it in, but we're just, we're just being held back by those bad actors that want us to do that, you know, for the time being. And we're having to rally enough troops like yourself and Jerry and rally enough people in every industry across the board, I think, to get to get those trucks open and get that cement flowing to dam up, you know, to dam up the water. Um, yeah. That's my and best, kind of my best. I don't know if that's the best answer, but. Uh, yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, I, I don't I don't know if it's possible, especially when some people's value or their perception of freedom is overpowering others. Then, you know, how do we how do we maintain people's sovereignty? Hmm. But I think one of the most beautiful things we've seen over the last couple of years is uh, we've seen behind the curtain. We've seen uh, the Wizard of Oz behind his little curtain and we've seen uh how our systems have degraded our political system, mm. our education system, our health system, but we can see the fallacy and a lot more people can see it now than ever before. That's true. And if, if we can see it and we're surprised by what we find, we can recognize the systems are broken and it's time to create some changes and step into that. And it starts with each individual, you know, mm-hmm. breaking the harmful legacies and with conviction and bravery and 
personal power is stepping into creating what what we believe is right. And when you know, you know, that you were talking about knowing things felt wrong, but doing it anyway, it's like, we really have to look inside for how does that sit within you in your gut, in your heart? Mm -hmm. How does that feel? And then deciding your course of right action and Mm -hmm. stepping one foot in front of the other into that path, knowing that it might not be popular at first. No, I I like to look at, um, I like to look at things in this circle that's divided into thirds. So 33%, 33%, 33%. And there might be 33% that they really enjoy what you're saying. They, they really like you and they're like, oh yes, I'm, I'm in alignment with you. And there might be 33% that are indifferent. They're like, oh yeah, you know, it's okay. And 33% might be your adversary. They say, I don't like what you're saying whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So when we're stepping into our path, our unique path, we have to risk the 66%. We have to risk that some people are not going to care and some people will go against you, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter. We just go forward anyway. And momentum is built along the path as you're in the doing. That's how you get generating um, momentum to make a change. You sound like General Patton. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Just lead, follow, or get out of the way. You know, that was. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been compared to, to him before. I'll have to look deeper into his bio. Hey, it's the same philosophy, what you're talking about. No, I like that um, a lot. But you know, that I think that's the answer is, uh, you know, events change things in history. And when you get major events and people are, are all of a sudden aware of what's happening uh, more than they were yesterday or last month or a year ago, then what happens is you start building that momentum you're talking about. And, and then with that momentum, you can, you can evaluate these other areas such as the education system, the uh, medical system, what have you, right? And then you can start affecting change then when you have the momentum. The key is getting that momentum first. I think that's the, that's the key. Is, uh, and I think we're, that's where we are right now is we're kind of in that, that momentum shift. And I think I've been watching this show lately, uh, Yellowstone. Have you seen this show? I yeah. Talk- oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a really good show. I like it. It is. And that uh, uh, Beth Dutton, the – daughter the beth is the hammer you know and she's a badass she is very much i like her a lot but she had a quote in there that i it had got me to thinking she says whenever whenever something whenever you're trying to do something good something bad is there trying to stop you Mm. and she says that in the show they say that she says it in the show one time and somebody else brings it up later a different interesting a different person and I thought that's intentional, you know, and, and wow. I think that's very true. That's a very true lesson. Whenever you're trying to affect positive change, there's something bad out there trying to stop you. And and um, so I don't know. I thought that was pretty wise coming from fictional character Beth Dutton. Right. So, right. But it's nonetheless, it's true. Um, and I think we're seeing a lot of that now play out, you know, in every in every industry, if you evaluate every industry, you see that. Um, so what are your, what are some of your solutions? How does one step into 
the bravery that it takes to create a change when the risks are high. What are some qualities that you think will be necessary and, and how do we spark, um, you know, that passion in our neighbors so that they might be willing to step forward as well? How do you think we can do that? Wow, that's a that's a great question. I think um, I think this this comes to a deep individual level with everyone. I think um, the way I would look at that is okay. First of all, you're going to be motivated by fear, or you're not. I think that's pretty much the population. You're either going to be you're either going to make your decisions and be driven on fear or you're not, right? So we're tapping into that Milgram study, We're right? tapping exactly into the Milgram. You're, you're right. Yeah. Exactly. Good point. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ex- brilliant, actually. Brilliant point. But yeah, so with that, I would say that if you're driven by fear, then I would put it to them this way. If, if you're scared, I would say weigh and measure what is and the direction you're going now versus the direction you could be, right? Because the direction, if you look around, if we're being honest about what's happening now, directionally, things are not looking good at all, right? (laughs) You have record, 40-year record high inflation. You've got the possibility of World War III. You've got Brazil is on the cusp of, of a revolution. You've got Canada has been, you know, with the trucker protest and all that, they got to clamp down financially. You got a centralized financial system that wants to digital, um, put in digital currency, centralized dig- digital currency. Yeah. You've got all of these factors of, of directionally where things are gravitating towards. So if you're driven by fear, does that scare you? Or, do, or does what could happen scare you more? And I, th- I think that's the real way and measure for those people. So I would try to, with that, if they are motivated by fear, I would say do not allow fear to guide your, do not allow fear to seep into the equation. Uh, because we're in a prisoner's dilemma where right. if enough of us stand up, we can overwhelm the system and directionally place it where we want to place it. Mm-hmm. And not give that to someone else to do for us. That I don't know if that's a real answer, but it directionally it kind of gives you some insight. I think of how people could weigh that out, at least present it, put it on a platter in front of them, and say, "Hey, does do you like directionally the way things are, or do you does that scare you more or less than the way things could be?" True. Like if we if we don't have any freedom. If we have Correct. ultimate control uh, bearing over us. Um, on a, a more positive note, we're entering into a new renaissance. Just like at that time, after all the warring, there was a time where people recognized the old ways are no longer working anymore. And uh, they saw uh, the barbarian acts that had been occurring at that time. And a whole new wave of thinking emerged. The arts emerged. uh, Philosophers emerged. Um, Amazing things started to happen. Hmm. And I think we're at the verge of a new renaissance. And it's one of creation and co-creation. And we need to decide 
what that looks like because we're recognizing the old ways are not working anymore. They're harmful. And when we feel them in our gut, it, there's an incorrectness about it, right? The mm. value is off. So we must determine the new way and we need to start acting as that now and stepping into the new creation. And it starts with each one of us as individuals to create the new, the new system, the new way of thinking, the new way of being that will allow us to evolve consciousness into this new era. Wow. And that's, yeah, I've heard that. I've heard, I've heard that from many different uh, people, philosophers, really great minds too, mind you. So you're in that category. So I, I think, Thank you. yeah, that that's very good insight. I think that's something serious we need to evaluate I always tell people you've got here's the other thing too there's too many people do not read enough these days you know um and it's something people need to start doing more of to get their arms around things you know i've i've got a few people now on my group that always ask me about sources how do you validate your sources how do you get your sources and i'm like Oh, yeah. Well, I get my sources from everywhere, but you got to understand the environment you're in. Every source has a narrative. Every source has their own interest at heart. Every source is financed in their own way, right? To the and and, and has those certain loyalties. So there there is a there is a narrative, a message, a a you know a plan, if you will, from all sources. So the key is that it's up to us to discern truth from fiction as individuals. And as individuals, the only way we can get our arms around that, to your point, is to start, you know, we have to figure that out. We have to study. We have to study history, philosophy. We have to study these things to give us more clarity on what has been done, what hasn't worked, uh, what is working. And I'm not talking about, and I'm just going to say it, I'm not talking about Howard Zinn's uh, propaganda book about the country. You know, Howard Zinn was a, a radical, and those people are out there too. And I'm not saying, you know, to I would not, I don't believe in censorship. You know, read what you read, but understand his motivation and people like that too. You've got to understand that if you're going to read those resources, you've got to understand that motivation and take things in yourself and, and look at, how things have developed over time. I think, you know, all civilizations have developed through the conquest ethic since the dawn of man, except one, in my opinion, and in history's opinion, and we're living in it. And people try to, they try to twist that. Is it perfect? Not by any stretch. And we're certainly not going that direction. We're going, we're actually turning into a conquest uh, civilization, if you will, by mm-hmm. by way of our trade and warring and all this stuff that's going on now, right? But I don't want that, you know? And I think, to your point, none of us want that. We want a new way of thinking, a new renaissance. Um, and I like the way you worded that. And I think that's that's how I view it. But we have to get our arms around it historically philosophically we got to do that we just have to invest the time i think um what you're doing what this this show does shows like yours and jerry's what we're doing is getting that in out into the public sphere and getting that out there because uh it was nitschke said words have power right 
So with our words, we can kind of influence that. I, what do you, you, you think, um, do you always, uh, with your students, do you always hammer away, you know, listen, do you give them action steps? Do oh yeah. You, you give them homework? I have them create it, but you know, when we, when we come together for a session, we first are releasing the blockages that are in the way of what they want. And then we're working on implanting the good stuff. So what does it look like? What does it sound like? What does it feel like? And then at the end of the session, we create an action strategy because it's all fine and dandy when it's in the atmosphere, but we've got to bridge that into our lives. So we're creating a way to bring that into the present, into the physical world through action. And um, that's, that's what's important here is for us. And when you were talking about reading, I think one of the most important things we can do is just learn reasoning and critical thinking. Mm-hmm. And the philosophy classes that I took in college were huge on that, just teaching me how to think critically and logically to see if things make sense. And I have a really good truth detector. So my warning bell goes off. If something doesn't seem right, I know how to uh, consider aspects of it to see, does it make logical sense? But then more important with the work that I do now is once you've done that with your brain is sending that question into your body. Hmm. And there are so many abilities that we have to sense truth You know, how does that feel in your stomach? Do the hair on your arms stand up or the back of your neck? How does that feel in your chest? Does it make your chest tighten up? All of those things point to something being not right, something being incorrect. So when we feel that, instead of just taking a pharmaceutical drug or alcohol to numb out, to not feel it because it's uncomfortable, it's important to figure out, well, what is that? What does it point to? What is that telling me? What is the check engine light? And once we have awareness of it, because we've done some self-exploration, now we have some information. Now what are we going to do with that information? And that usually requires action. And apathy is also a choice. Inaction is a choice. I will sit here and do nothing is a choice, right? Yeah. Yeah. Apathy uh, or inaction is action, really. (laughs) It really is. It just allows allows what's wrong to continue to foster and grow and whatever, right? Um, That is, I'll tell you that, you're... The way you communicate, I really like the way that you lay this out. And and it, and it is, you're right, you know, it's like you have these physical cues when you're faced with something difficult or something negative or something that doesn't seem right. We all have that, I think. Maybe some don't. I don't know. Maybe there's some people that have a, a blockage or something. Well, if you're taking, you know, Zoloft and this and that, all these things that, that blur that, because it's cutting off the neural signal in the brain. It's like, I'm feeling uncomfortable. Oh, don't worry. You don't have to feel that anymore. Take this pill. So then mm-hmm. your warning bell isn't going off anymore. Right. Oh, my medication's off, doc. I need a different medication. Okay, let's just play with this chemical cocktail until you don't care anymore. And that is it's just so disheartening. But so many people do that. And if not that, it's 
pot. And if it's not that, it's alcohol. And all those things dampen the system. Mm-hmm. So we're getting information all the time that we're, we're cutting off the signal to because it's uncomfortable. And I think on that point, you, you I think, too, it was, what was it, the antidepressant, the recent thing that came out about antidepressants yeah. and, and dopamine. <laughs> and oh, my gosh, think about how much of those psychoactive drugs have been circulating through society for how, how long now? 30 years? I don't know. 40 years? Yeah, probably yeah, probably closer to 80 or, or maybe what? a little bit 60. So yeah, so I you know, yeah. I mean either way, I mean a long period of time for something doesn't work but alters the mind, something pharmaceutical that alters the mind, you know, that, that's even a great level up from marijuana and pot, you know. <laughs> I mean, you're getting into Oh yeah. You know, that's getting into a whole nother uh, a whole nother territory, and I think that is a problem. There's a lot of that out there in the pharmaceutical industry, as we know. Uh, they that's their cash cow. You know, that's mm-hmm. they they that's what they want. You know, I mean, they that's their business model, and they've done a great job of selling it. But um, I think people just need to understand that you you can you can deal with these things on your own. Um, that's right. And it's not that discomfort. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, that discomfort is alerting you to something that needs balancing, either in your life or your environment, your family, your job, the world. And when we just put electrical tape over that check engine light so we don't have to look at it, we don't change. We don't have the ability to, to feel when something's off. And to create the necessary adjustment at that base level. And if we were to do that, that discomfort would go away because it's pointing to an issue. It's like, hey, buddy, something's off over here. You need to fix something. And we're like, oh, let's just not look at that. (laughs) So, you know, these are just ways that we play games with ourselves to not get to the heart of the matter. But all of these are necessary. A little discomfort is necessary to explore what's off to create a change at the root and then the discomfort would go away. You know, I think we have things a little bit backwards. Absolutely. And I, you know, they, it's just, it's incredible when you, these, these forces, there's a lot of big forces like um, from this stuff between the media and a lot of these companies and they can drive really powerful narratives too into oh, yeah. into what's acceptable and what's okay uh to push a product you know just to sell a product and they have the they don't just have a few hundred bucks of advertising budget we're talking you know billions of dollars with a b uh some of these institutions and they can really drive that narrative for a long period of time and yes. and they move the you know they move the Overton window uh, as to what except they try to as to what acceptable, but I would argue they do move that window, mm-hmm. and I think the only way to move it back is to be the counter narrative, the counterculture. Mm-hmm. And are you Gen X, by the way? You're Gen X, aren't you? Are you Generation X? I think so. Yeah, I was born in '73, so you're just, Gen X. I, you're yeah, Gen I always X. Yeah. I'm like, what am I? I yeah. <laughs> so the Gen X, I think. Here's the thing. Now, I think that Gen X has been really big, and I got to. I always Gen X knows I'm always putting this out here because I'm and I just love Gen X because we're the loudest, always been rebellious, loudest generation. Uh, But I think you see a lot of that, though. You're seeing a lot of people 
in our generation start to really step into the breach and wow. start to lead that way, to lead that, to be that leading voice, right? And uh, I don't know. I just had, I think that's, there's something to that. There's something to it. Um, Maybe we experience greater independence. So we're used to feeling that where it's, it's more comfortable to us. Right. It is. You know, I tell I've told this story a few times um, when I when I was nine, 10, 11, I had a, a friend that lived on Lake Hartwell in South Carolina and I'd go visit during the summer. And he had a lake, you know, had a lake house. His dad had a boat and a couple of kids we would get on his boat, drive it to the South Carolina Marina and fuel it up. And we'd pull each other skiing. Wow. And I tell people that in their these days their jaw drops to the floor, right? right? They're shocked. But but there was no driver's license required on, you know, <laughs> for boating, you know. But truthfully, these us couple of kids, we could handle that boat better than most adults, you know. Right. And <laughs> you had experience. Yeah. But I remember yeah. being on that boat uh and, and riding one day. It was who knows, it was during the week, during the summer, out of school, right? And uh, I remember driving back from South Carolina, and it was in the afternoon, and I remember this moment, and I thought the wind's in my hair, and I'm driving this boat, and I'm thinking, God, you know, here, this is the freest that I've ever felt in my life, you know, and nothing's quite been like that since. Wow. Wow. And 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 I, I just remember feeling in that moment, even as a ten-year-old kid, you know, feeling that way. That that thought occurred to me, and that's that's being really aware too to recognize in that moment that feeling. That's awake and aware. Yeah, and and yeah. and I just thought I think about that all the time, and I think, man, look at how society has gotten so tight now with kids and. You can't even go outside without a bicycle helmet on these days. You know, it's just everything is so tight in society. And I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, that brings up for me, um, my husband and I, we just put together a living will and trust for our daughter. She's 16. And um, my dad passed away in June. So mm. uh, they didn't have a lot of these great systems in place, like financially and stuff. So I've been trying to help my mom. And it's been hard to, um, cause her name wasn't on anything, you know, so trying to help her with that. So we wanted to make sure my husband and I, that we have it set up for our daughter. And it's so funny cause my husband and I value freedom so much. And we're working with a lawyer to set this up and we want to give our daughter ultimate freedom. So we're just like, well, you know, if she gets the house and whatever else, what other assets we have, it's hers and whatever mm-hmm. she wants to do with that is great. And the lawyer was like, well, yeah, but what if her brain isn't fully developed and she blows all the money? We said, so uh, what if she decides to not go to college and do something else? And she goes and gambles it all away or she does drugs and ends up on the street. We're like, it's her life. So yeah. we experienced such pushback up to the signing of the documents where um, there was a, a trying to convince us otherwise that um, that she needs to be saved from herself and that we should put systems of protection in place. Um, and it would be harmful to do anything other than that. And it was really challenging to push back and say, you know what? Whatever she wants to do, she's learning and growing. And if she blows it all, that's one course you can take in a lifetime. But it's her life. Exactly. You know, so. 
And that's, I don't think we give people that enough. And that, I think that alone, what you just said, just speaks volumes. Uh, God, that right there in that example, that speaks volumes. And for anyone listening, you listen, listen to what Kelly just said, that example of, you know what? It's her, it's her daughter's life in that scenario. It's her choices. It's her life. And you know what? That's our whole point here is we want you to understand that you're sitting here listening to this or you're watching TV tonight or you're drinking your coffee tomorrow morning and the thought occurs to you, remember, it is your life. This is your life to live. It's not someone else's life to live for you or to dictate for you. You make those choices, win, lose, or draw. You make them. You make them, and you have to live with it, win, lose, or draw. And that's life. And nobody's perfect. Hell, I'm not perfect. I I know I've made enough mistakes, and I have regrets at times in my life. You look back, there's things I I wished I would have done differently in certain situations, but it's not about always about the past if you're trying to live better today. The key is moving forward and trying to be better today than you were yesterday. And I always tell people that's my coaching side coming out. You know, you compete. It goes back. That goes back to that inward versus outward. Uh, don't comp- right. don't worry about competing with your neighbors or or competing with your sister or your brother or whoever or your friends or whatever. Just compete with yourself. You know, that's that's the most that's the ultimate competitor. And as long as you have breath, it's never too late. Right. It's never too late to create a change, to create a shift. And I think what's coming to mind is to being willing to do the uncomfortable thing. Because to step out and say what might be unpopular, um, it might feel uncomfortable. And it's doing it anyway because you feel the rightness of it in your soul, in your heart, in your gut. And you take the risk. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you... You you have you have to and and I think that that's the thing too. To your point, going back to the story with that lawyer and your daughter, I think that that's almost a um, it's we're falling as society we've fallen into this mindset of not allowing people to experience risk reward. Mm-hmm. It's just mitigate risk, and what you get is what you get, instead of just experiencing risk and reward fully win or lose i think that's the i think that's the key key element there that was that's well kelly that's one of the best discussions i think i've had to date um on this show and we're gonna we're gonna have to do this again um i would love that and 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 I, i think we're coming up on the time here but we're definitely going to have to do this again. But before I before I, I close this out, can you just uh, – I want to do a couple of things. One, I'm going to let you tell the audience uh, how they can connect with you, uh, your website, anything you want to uh, you know, promote to them or tell them about. And then uh, just hang on the line and I'll close the show and then we'll speak a little bit afterwards. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, if you feel called to get into your subconscious programming and to create some adjustments and turn down the dial of stress and anxiety and trauma 
and then insert all the good stuff. I work with people one-on-one and in groups. So it's rapidtransformationsessions.com. And you can book a a complimentary 30-minute call, or if you're just ready to jump in, you can book a session. And uh, we wanted to offer all of your listeners a discount on that. And it's BR25. You can use a coupon code and book a session and we can get into it. So it's just tapping into the creatorship of your life and stepping into what it is that you want to do, whether it's with your finances, your career, your love life, your self-worth, your personal power, letting go of grief and loss so that you can move forward a little bit lighter, a little bit clearer. So it's anything that you want to shift in your life so that you can enjoy your life more. That is my main goal. And that's what I feel most passionate about helping people do. Oh, that's fantastic. So audience, if you heard that again, I will include these on the show notes here. And so when you guys see this uh, after listening, just check the show notes and you'll see her information there. Is there also uh, social media that they can catch you on too, Kelly? Is there anywhere or is that just the yeah, website? It, it's actually a radical enlightenment on Instagram. It's radical underscore enlightenment. My husband and I share that account. Um, and then on uh, Facebook, look for rapid transformation sessions or look up Kelly Russell. You'll see me there. And I'd love to connect with you guys. Let's carry on the conversation. I love this. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, so I'm going to close this out. Uh, Kelly, if you would, just hang tight. And so, guys, this is going to conclude another episode. Uh, Real quick, before I get off, if you can, uh, please make sure you subscribe, if you haven't already, to the brandonritchie.substack.com. Uh, you'll get all the latest uh, episodes in, like this one, as well as the latest articles that I'll put out. Also, make sure that you connect with me on Facebook and Getter. Uh, remember, uh, I, in order for this to work, uh, you guys, as Kelly pointed out, I need you to be to be a sharer of the information. Get these links out, push it out, be a force multiplier, get it out to friends, families, others. If you're listening on Spotify, please take the time to leave a five-star rating if you want to show, uh, show your support for the show. And with that, I'm going to close it out. Just make sure you guys have a very Merry Christmas. And uh, if I don't get another episode on before New Year, have a Happy New Year, but I'll try to get one out. But Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and stay strong, stay focused, stay active. Peace out.
You know who made it.